0: I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode.
1: In order for your organization to make the best possible business decisions and to make the most of your data, you need the very best people and that's where Aubition Group comes in. We have a proven track record in partnering with some of the largest brands in the world to the most innovative and disruptive startups and everything in between. We go beyond traditional recruitment services. The organizations which we partner with benefit from the added extras that we offer, such as raising your organization's brand awareness to the data and analytics community, Providing you with insights into the current market and your competition. Benchmarking you against the industry to give you the best chance to successfully attract the best talent. We want to become an extension of your business to identify, engage, attract and retain the best talent possible. If this sounds of interest, please reach out today by visiting OrbitionGroup.com. Welcome
0: to Driven by Data, the podcast, season three. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Deepak Jose, who is a analytics thought leader, very known on the data analytic conference uh, scene, uh, an event scene, uh, and currently the global senior director and head of One Demand Data Analytics Solutions for Mars Wrigley. So, Deepak, thank you very much for agreeing to give up some time and join me today.
2: Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Very excited to be here.
0: Perfect. Well, uh, the pleasure is uh, is all mine, um, but equally as excited to to jump into what we're going to discuss today. So, I guess where we always start, Deepak, is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief introduction. I guess into their background and, and journey to date. If uh, if you would,
2: absolutely. I'll I'll start with my educational background and then my experience as well. So. I'm uh, originally from the south of India, uh, from Kerala. I am a mechanical engineer by trade. I graduated in mechanical engineering from National Institute of Technology, Calicut. My first job out of my engineering college was with uh, uh, ABB, Ashia Brown Bowery. I started as a management training. It was a very important job for me professionally and personally. Personally, first, I met my wife there, uh, and uh, we are married. We live in New Jersey, so I, I know her for a period of time. I met her as my colleague first. Um, uh, I played a, a regional and global role for ABB. Uh, while doing my job at ABB, I was really passionate about uh, doing my higher education in the United States, and I was really passionate about uh, data analytics, and digital transformation. So I, I did my MBA from the George Washington University School of Business, and I also did a graduate analytics certification. The My training in the CPG and retail industry started with my stint with Coca-Cola company. I played a role for Coke globally, uh, Coke in North America, and also worked for a Coke-owned bottle, bottler called uh, Coca-Cola refreshments. Different roles from an end-to-end value chain for Coke. Uh, I learned a lot there, uh, and I think uh, uh, it is one of the best places in the world to learn about bra- marketing and brand. Uh, later on, I left Coke, worked for uh, a private equity running mobile insurance, and I also did analytics consulting uh, for one of the category-defining company in the analytics services space called Sigma um i was i enjoyed my stint quite a bit with me uh, i loved consulting the ability to work with different clients uh, but my then girlfriend and my now wife she told that uh, you are traveling 99% of the time, so either you leave <laughs> consulting or uh, leave me. So here <laughs> am I. I found a job in uh, uh, a corporate, uh, thanks to my leadership in Mars Digital Technologies. I've been with Mars for slightly close to five years. The first two and a half years, I was with Mars globally, supporting all the different segments of Mars, Mars Wrigley, Mars Pet Nutrition, and Food and Multi Sales. Uh, doing a corporate cross-segment role. Uh, and uh, pro- close to two years back, I joined Marsh Wrigley as the global senior director and head of one-demand data and analytics solution. Mars, at Mars, we generally say uh, the world we want tomorrow starts with how we do business today. This is one of the most purpose-driven companies I've worked for. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Excellent. Well, um, a very interesting and and fascinating career journey um obviously everybody knows mars right um and me included have had far too many mars bars but tell us a little bit more about mars wrigley and i guess then more specifically the one demand data analytics solution practice that that you kind of run there
2: wonderful so uh First, let me start a little bit more, uh, talk a little bit more about Mars as an organization and Mars Wrigley specifically. See, Mars has uh, four large divisions, as I mentioned, Mars Wrigley, which owns brands like m and Snickers, Extra Chewing Gum. It is the confectionery side of the business. Mars Pet Care is the biggest and largest division for Mars. They It has Mars pet nutrition brands like Pedigree, Royal Canon as a brand, and they own Pet hospitals like MVH, VCA, Banfield, uh, etc., and we also have the food and the multi-sales segment. Now, within Marsh Rigley, uh, I think the theme of One Demand is something quite unique, and it came from the leadership team from our uh, president itself. The I want to talk a little bit about the theme of One Demand. Now, if you think about a traditional uh, organization or a traditional analytics practice, uh, you might have heard the story of uh, four blind people explaining an elephant. So uh, somebody who is touching the trunk and explaining trunk of an elephant and calling it something. Somebody touching the tail of an elephant calling it something else. Somebody touching the leg and calling it something uh, completely altogether different. And that happens in large organizations. The elephant in the room is our consumer. And our purpose of any company is to give the best integrated brand experience to the consumer. But the sales explains the consumer a certain way. The marketing explains the same consumer a different way. Supply chain explains the same theme in different way. It goes on and on. So the one-demand mindset essentially says that to explain your consumer, you need to have a single source of truth about that elephant in the room. And we need to take a step back and we need to have the full picture of what we are talking about. That is the foundational element of One Demand. The key theme of One Demand is while organizations and our organization are also successful because of the functional expertise. Like revenue management or a pricing or e commerce or portfolio, etc. At the same time, we need to break down the functional silos and we need to think about the one demand mindset. How can we serve our consumers better? Now, uh, it is a vision from uh, the president of Marsh Andrew Clark, which is uh, endorsed and it is run by our chief growth officer, Gulen. And I am part of the team uh, under. Uh, the chief, uh, the head of vice president of data analytics and also inside the human intelligence function. Very excited to be here. Um, uh, again, I'm very thrilled to be representing the team to showcase uh, the work. Uh, again, the key message is like there are a lot of people working really hard uh, between the data engineers the data scientists the devops engineers the business translators the data scientists that's the analytics solutions team then we partner very closely with the change management team the project management organization team to drive the value for the uh, business Uh, again it is always a business-led and analytics enabled strategy uh, that we try to implement. So the partnership with the regional business owners are also very critical for us.
0: Nice, yeah. So the the one demand team then that that you're kind of leading and in charge of from a data analytics perspective is to effectively try to provide the single source of truth to help Marge Wrigley provide the best experience to customer. That's That's the kind of purpose of you being Excellent. there, right?
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and while we are doing it, we want to make every decision. a hundred percentage of the decisions data driven as well.
0: Nice, very good. Okay, fine. So, um, I've obviously seen your work Deepak, and I know that you've been, um, you know, talking uh, on the conference scene and event circuit, and you know, very prominent, um, in things like that. Um, I've heard you talk about the story or the concept um, of, um, forgive me, I'm going to butcher how you pronounce this now, but is it I- I- Ikigai? Is that right?
2: Ikigai, yes.
0: Ikigai, okay, yeah. I, I listened to a YouTube pronunciation, but you know, you you can never trust them. Um, but yeah, I-, I think that's, I know that you've talked, and when we spoke offline, we talked to, about this, you kind of gave me the overview of it and kind of why you think it's important. So I think that'd be a really useful starting point for the listeners just to kind of get your, take on that and, and also why you think it's relevant
2: absolutely absolutely uh see i think there is a book called ikigai the japanese secret for long and happy life and i think i would recommend it to a lot of people here so ikigai essentially tells about what is the right job or like the right career path for you see ikigai essentially tells that your ideal career should be in the intersection of what you love, what the world needs, what you can get paid for, and more importantly, what you are good at. It's an intersection of your passion, mission, vocation, and profession. That is the theme of Ikigai. And for me, I think uh, I have seen that what I do at Mars as part of data and analytics, it is my ikigai uh, i mean this is something which i'm passionate about mars gives me the opportunity to drive value not only for driving profitability it has a impact on um, uh, on people it has an impact on planet so that's very important for me and i am building my capability day in and day out and ikigai is a fantastic concept uh, to have a happy life so would recommend this to any of the listeners, and it's a it's a fantastic concept that you should look into.
0: Is was that book something that you came across after you were already at Mars, or did the reading the book help you shape
2: it's decisions you make? Yeah, interestingly, one of my colleagues at Coca Cola recommended the Ikigai as a concept, which was wonderful. I read that book, and that has stuck with me for uh, a decade or more on deciding what is the purpose of your life and where you should be focusing. And I think as when you go through uh, the journey as a data analytics practitioner, you always have this question, are you doing things right? Uh, Is this really what you want to do? And the the idea of Ikigai has always helped me to be focused on what I'm really passionate about.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's really really interesting i'm just thinking about this now through the lens of obviously the work that, that we do right as a as a search firm and obviously we have a lot of conversations on a daily basis with people around you know what do you want out of your next role out of the next two roles out of the next three roles like what career path are you looking for um so yeah very very uh interesting i can point some people to that for sure um so look, let's jump into it then so i, I know a couple of the things that you're really big on and talk a lot about are you know the whole component of getting value out of data analytics which i guess is always timely but seems even more timely at this moment in time because that, um, you know, this conversation has kind of popped up numerous times over the last kind of couple of months with, you know, people tagging me in various LinkedIn threads and, you know, how do we get to value and how do you quantify it and how do you articulate it and and so on and so forth. So I'm keen to jump into, into this with you. Um, I think just to frame it for you then, I can get your steer on this as a starting point. I think what fascinates me and i've said this many times on this podcast before is that if you were to ask practically any data analytics professional um you know where should you start most people would give an answer that paraphrases something along the lines of start with the business problem and or opportunity and you work backwards from that to get to a solution around data right um yet yeah, that very rarely happens so keen for you to tackle that for us as the starting point in terms of relating that back to the kind of the value-first mindset.
2: Absolutely. So Kyle, I think uh, I've been a data analytics practitioner for a period of time. It always, while, I mean, I'm glad that people are telling business problem first and uh, uh, and it, it used to be, a, we are a data-first company. That used to be the thought process. And how it transpired was... I mean, 15 years back, there used to be data warehouses. Probably 5 to 10 years back, we started building data lakes. Uh, These days, we are building lake houses, right? Or maybe we, we might be building data meshes in the future. So again, it always started with building millions of dollars to build a data foundation. And sitting on top of that, we will generate some knowledge and insights, which would generate this insights would generate some actions, which would create some small value. It has always been the structure at Mars. When we uh, started the data analytics practice, we wanted to really implement the business problem first mindset, and we went on to say that it's always going to be business problem first and data second, and that is very important. So once we clearly started understanding what are the business problems, we started prioritizing the business problems that we want to solve for because our resources are never unlimited, it is always limited. Once we decided what are the business problems that we want to solve, we had a very good understanding of what is the value that we can drive for the company. From that value, we want to understand if you want to drive those value, what are the actions that you need to take? For taking those actions, what is the knowledge and insights you need? And for that, what is the data that you need to have? Now, instead of doing a battle around data sources, which we don't have a clear idea for understanding for, we change the structure this way. Now, what does that mean? We started thinking a decision-back approach. We want to understand what are the different kinds of decisions that we need to take. And for taking that decision, what is the decision-back approach that you need to have? And it has worked really well for us at Mars. Uh, our key sponsor of uh, our current program, One Demand Data and Analytics, uh, is the CFO of the company. The value is, uh, there is a significant value that we are driving for. I won't be able to share the value, but we have a significant value that that is being asked by the organization to deliver. And we have been doing a pretty good job at it. Now, that is the mindset that we need to build as a data analytics practitioner. It is the fundamental change from having a cost center mindset and moving towards a profit center mindset. So we should not always, should not be only talking about how can we cut the cost? How can we... Uh, reduce my analytical spend, optimize the spend. But let's ask this question, how can we generate the profitable growth for the company? And how can you make yourself a profit center?
0: Yeah, 100%. So I'm really keen to jump into the whole cost center versus profit center discussion. Um, before we do that, so you talked there about you know understanding what the business objectives were, you just give us an, in, an insight into kind of the practicalities that go on in order to truly get to understanding what the business objectives are? Because what I see and hear a lot of is it feels like there's this disconnect between data and analytics practitioners in an organization and they're delivering work that they think will add value. But often what we see is them often solving the wrong problem. It's, it's not necessarily the wrong problem. It might be the wrong time. For, mm. for example, oh, yeah. right? Exactly. Um, mm. And there's a disconnect there between actually what the people that ultimately make the decisions who sit on the board of a of a company, um, what they actually care about and what is an objective to them and what value means to them versus maybe, you know, when you're slightly removed from that conversation, it become becomes slightly more difficult. So just give us some idea as to how you tackle that.
2: Yeah, Kyle, fantastic question. Kyle, uh, it always starts with the top down vision, top down vision from the leadership of what is the direction and what is the strategy that your organization wants to achieve. Now, for March Wrigley, that comes from our president for the March Wrigley segment. Now, when it comes step down, each step down, it goes to our chief growth officer. Then it goes to the functional domain presidents, where, like, say, revenue management, they have a clear target for the next few years route to market on field sales capability improvement or distributor management, they have a specific target. And it always starts from top down and every functions have these targets. Now, what we have started doing quite effectively is that we are starting to collaborate really well with these functions or the domain leadership team. And now we understand what are the key top three or four business problems each of the domains want to solve and what we have done so working with each of the domain heads and our from top down standpoint with my boss and his boss etc we have done a fantastic job when it comes to prioritization on beginning of 2023 we knew here are the problems that we are going to go after and that's the way we have approached this Now, we also use a 70-20-10 kind of a principle. 70% of our capabilities, of our investments and resources are focused towards scaling capabilities, which is going to add value, scale value. 20% of our resources are going towards enhancing those capabilities. And 10% towards innovation and future-proofing the business. And I think... If we can make find that balance, which is sometimes tough because I think you talk to a data scientist of today, everybody wants to spend their 100% of, of their time on generative AI, for example. right? Like, so having that discipline to focus on the 70-20-10 is going to be important. Have you done this... Uh, effectively to a great extent yes can we do better absolutely well. Yes. so I think this is a journey I think you would have heard this quote from Stevie Wonder uh, like when he was asked what was the best song that you have written uh, he responded by answering uh, that song is yet to be written because I'm I'm writing my next best. So I think for us also, <laughs> I would quote Stevie Wonder there. I think we are writing the next best version of analytics as we speak. Well, there you go. Stevie Wonder being uh, brought into
0: the Driven by Data podcast. Uh, the first first for everything, Deepak. So mm-hmm. um, so I just want to take you back then to the, the whole conversation about cost center versus profit center. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, that, again, this is something that you... You speak about quite a lot, but I guess you're talking about having a kind of a business-first mindset and approach, and a value-first mindset and approach. So, I guess how how can data leaders ensure that they, you know, are or become value-driven when there's, I guess, so much hype? around being data driven or ai driven right you know in 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 the marketplace and i guess then how does that what's the relationship then in terms of the knock on effect that that has between the cost center versus profit center debate
2: see i think uh, i think it is easier for everybody i mean see if you're a data scientist if you're a data engineer if you're a technologist general, it is quite natural for them to feel really excited about the next version of the technology and it is a very normal thing that that is something that we have to acknowledge right like obviously technology is going to redefine what we are doing today and if we are not passionate about technology i think uh, we are in the wrong business there should always be a continuous learning mindset but the key question that we should not forget is like what are we trying to accomplish see i started my story by see for us at mars we want to create an integrated brand experience that is i mean you would have heard uh this quote from uh, sam walton the legendary founder of sam's club and walmart right like mm-hmm. he once said the goal of any company is to drive a customer service that that is not just the best but legendary right even after decades that still holds true for large brands and rush retailers so we need to be very clear on what is the vision that we are going to accomplish, and if we are very clear on that business focus and the role of analytics or role of technology is to enable it, mm-hmm. and if we have that clarity in mind, if we have that clear vision in mind, I think that is going to be uh, very important. See, end of the day, uh, I have during my analytics consulting days also, I think every three to four years, every organization, large organization goes through a change now i think you the the areas where we have seen people are doing successfully really well is where they are able to articulate what is the value that they were able to add to the organization uh what uh, when people are using your tools and capabilities that they've built they are using for taking better decisions those are the organizations which are always successful and i think if you think about what is the outcome three year four year five year down the line that you want to leave the legacy for i think that that answers the question in itself it is easier to be a tech first company which is good but i think that is not going to solve the long term value creation uh, challenges
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. I guess having that value first mindset then, is that always, and I guess relating it back to the whole kind of cost center versus profit center, is it always in your opinion based around getting back to how the impact on the bottom line for want of a, a better phrase or are there many other things there that yeah. you know quantify value?
2: Yeah, I think that uh, value uh, is uh, not always bottom line. And there are cases or areas where the value can be measured through a profitability or like a revenue growth. So, for example, there are capabilities where um, a revenue growth or a volume growth can be the reason. So, for example, if you are doing a long-term marketing campaign, and if the objective is to drive household penetration or drive new recruitment, uh, a a really bad KPI to measure would be on uh, the profitability. Because if you are looking at a recruitment initiative, you are not focusing on immediate profitability. You are attracting new consumers to your brand. So I think that value would change. Or that that KPI the, uh, would change based on the businesses, the kinds of problems that we are trying to. Uh address. And I think we should always think about the balance scorecard, right? I mean, that is the more important aspect. I mean, I'm not telling that profitability should be disregarded. Profitability is important. Revenue growth is important. Sometimes it can be volume growth. Sometimes it can be household penetration. Sometimes it can be recruitment. So depending on your organization and your organizational priority, that balance scorecard is going to look quite different.
0: Mm. Yeah. So talk us through the balance scorecard as a concept.
2: So again, we leverage balanced scorecard uh, in many of our capabilities uh, which we are building. So uh, some of the capabilities that we are building, we have a capability called integrated 360, okay? So that we are building, rolling it across the globe. So one of our regional presidents, uh, uh, he asked this question, say, if I have one additional dollar to invest, where would I put it? Would I put it in media? Would I put it in shopper marketing or consumer promotion? Would I put it in e-commerce or would I put it in trade? So, I mean, and this integrated 360 was trying to answer this question. Now, one easier way to solve, again, this is a very tough organizational problem to crack, but I think one of the KPIs could be, let's say, short-term profitability, right? Now, if you think about the decisions a leader can take if you are only looking at short-term profitability on where you would invest than in one dollar would look quite different if you are looking at long-term profitability or revenue growth or household penetration, and and I'm just giving you one example. This is where we are using a balanced scorecard. Now, uh, in this particular case, uh, I mean when we were looking, we not only looked at the profitability improvement, we also looked at household penetration, which was another important factor. We also uh, looked at the overall brand uh, equity, right? When it comes to how we are. So uh, again, depending on uh, the regions, we had a very unique way of defining the balance quote. Right? The more important thing is, I think you should not focus all your KPS into one short term. Then you need to understand your organization's uh, interest and you need to figure out where you have to put that one additional dollar.
1: Mm,
0: yeah. Interesting. Very good. Um so silos, obviously, again, something that um, we spoke about offline um, in big organizations, especially are very common. Right. And, and I guess often can be a, a bit of a cause of frustration or challenge for many data leaders um, that can sometimes detract or, you know, um, become an obstacle in terms of realizing value. How have you gone about in your career breaking down silos and, I guess, quite timely given, you know, your role in the One Demand team is to create that one picture, right?
2: So it's a fantastic question, Kyle. I think uh, I'll give you a few aspects and it's going to be a long answer to a very short question is what I would say. The first, I think I want to talk about how to build a technology solution, or how to build a data product when it comes to breaking the silos. That's the first aspect that I'll address, and second, I want to address the organizational culture and change management associated with it. So, when it comes to data products, now I'm a uh, i am I am I really love this story. I heard this story, read this in Medium. Okay, this is the story of a Honduran bridge on and there it has a lot of parallels it is written, i mean uh, brett munster wrote this story and i really love it so let me let me share that story with you and your audience right the central american country honduras uh, they are prone to natural disasters earthquakes uh, hurricanes and whatnot so in the 1940s 1930s the Honduran government collaborated with the U.S. government to connect two vast majority of land which was separated by a river. They built a bridge it's called the Choluteca Bridge and they connected these two vast majority of land. This bridge was built to withstand hurricanes, earthquake, flooding etc. Now this bridge was built this bridge was built to last Mm. this became a popular tourist destination as well uh, because of uh, in the country you know what happened several decades later another hurricane hit the country hurricane mitch now because of the hurricane there was a lot of rain a lot of flooding and uh, now the river changed its course now you have a bridge with no water under the bridge Now, and the bridge was intact. It was built to last, right? And, uh, but what is the use? Now, river is, uh, has changed its course. And this, this has happening to large organizations as well. So three years back, we were hit with a big natural disaster pandemic. For companies like Mars, our consumer preferences started changing significantly we started having more and more e-commerce customers. Our e-commerce, uh, decom share of business significantly grew. There were new companies like Instacart, Deliveroo, Delivery Hero that became prominent. People have started, started ordering online and brick and click significantly. Now, if we had built a solution, which was only built to last, not built to adapt, we would have been in a lot of trouble right so the first thing to break organizational silo whatever capabilities that you are building you have to build to adapt um, by build to adapt it means three things for me you have to build your solutions in a white box model essentially you need to own the ip you need to have a ownership of their data engineering level the data sciences level etc so that when you get a new data source you can easily ingest so build it at a white box Second, build it in an interoperable way. Now, the data foundation that is built for revenue management should be able to be uh, used for the data foundation uh, for your media analytics. Don't create, so make it interoperable. The third thing, think about the system thinking, like in an interconnected way. That is another important aspect of it. And so, the first question, the answer, first part of the answer to your question, how to break the silos. Instead of building to last, building to adapt, build white box, build interoperable. You own the intellectual property. That's going to be very important. So that is the, again, I talked a lot, but that is the easier part of the answer. The second one is the more tougher part is like influencing the organizational culture and change management. What I have learned in my journey, and I think... uh, Change management is the most significant thing. Now, change for every dollar that we are investing on building an analytical tool, I think if we are spending that one additional dollar in change management or organizational cultural change, we are going to have exponential return. Now, in large organization, one way to deal with complexity is to break down a large problem into small, small individual problems which can be operated in silos. Now, this can be this can work in the traditional environment where the brick and mortar business cannot interact with the online business. Now things have changed. It is an omni-channel business. I might decide to order online, and I might decide to pick up from store. So in a business like this, it is not going to work. So that cultural change is a long-term aspect, and that cultural change can happen through. Training and upskilling, which is an important part of it. Data and analytics training is very important for our organization. Another aspect is uh, the leadership buy-in and support. Uh, the organizational culture. When the leader starts asking data-driven questions, then only the associates will uh, give data-driven answers. And the last one is the processes. Uh, we, I mean, at Coke and Mars, we have this joke that sometimes our processes are uh in the jurassic level when it comes to <laughs> uh digital processes right like i mean so how can we embed these digital capabilities into uh, the current generation processes that's going to be another aspect now uh, again we have a large team working on this we are quite excited about the progress our teams are making but i think there is a lot of journey uh, that that is ahead of us to make it truly future proof business in my opinion
0: Hmm. Yeah, really interesting. I like the concept of build to adapt. Um, that seems seems really uh, really logical. So, uh, I'm going to ask you a tough question now, Deepak. If you were to put, I guess, the success that you've achieved throughout your career, and then currently at Mars Wrigley, because obviously you've got quite an enterprise view of Mars Wrigley as an organisation in terms of the work that data analytics supports across different functions and domains, which by the very nature of how businesses operate, that's where silos stem from, right? You know, each function doing their own thing. What, what would you say has been more important? Is it the build to adapt or is it the changing the culture towards how silos effectively become to be?
2: I think my answer to this is it's uh, not a or b it is a and b is what i would say okay um uh, i i don't know if you have watched the series uh the last dance from mm-hmm. michael Jordan. i think um yep. uh, i think uh in one of the episodes i think if you have not watched it i think i recommend everybody I don't get, uh, I don't own Netflix shares, but I think you should definitely check it out. (laughs) Uh, Last Dance by Michael Jordan. In one of its episodes, right? Like, I mean, it talks about the coach, Phil Jackson. Um, I mean, Chicago Bulls got beaten up really bad by Detroit. Uh, And uh, Detroit had some strong players, and they were talking about how. Chicago Bulls came back and defeated Detroit right like I man it's not one thing now bulls had michael jordan uh it had scottie pippen right like so uh phil jackson the coach of the team he talks about how he moved away f- from a, a michael J- jordan focused team to a uh michael jordan first mindset to a team first kind of a mindset right it's a fantastic story how he Change the team's mindset, and that's fantastic. I think for us, for us to win, it is not really about analytical tools. Analytics tools are generally the Michael Jordans of uh, what a data and analytics practitioner would like to tell. Hey, we have this fantastic GenAI tool. We have this fantastic tool which can do wonders, and that needs to move towards the team mindset of. How can you put this tool in the hands of a sales associate who have been doing this job for the last 10 to 15 years? How can you make them adopt it? How can you make them use it? Uh, it is also having the right kind of processes that we have implemented in place so that it does not go away. It also has to be the right kind of change management and cultural change if you've have, have you done the right kind of changing. Have we made it easy for these people to use it? So instead of putting a... Tool first mindset to a team first mindset. Putting uh, as a data analytics practitioner, you need to put yourself in these users' shoes, right? I mean, that's the way we need to think about it. Uh, I think that is going to be uh, very important. Having that empathy is going to be very important. So, again, going that team first, see value creation as a team sport. I think acknowledging that is going to help us quite a bit.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I fully expected you to say that you need both, by the way. Um, but yeah, um, absolutely makes sense. I guess, out of curiosity, do do you and your team within Mars Wrigley put a lot of emphasis around kind of change management and culture in terms of is there, you know, dedicated people in the business that are there tasked with helping with with that?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, along so while I lead the analytics solutions team for one demand data and analytics, we have an enterprise transformation team and we have our global head of uh, PMO, we have our global head of change management. They uh, in turn work with the regional head of uh, oh. change management. So, we have a very strong change management organization and they play a very important role to in enabling our success. Another important role is our PNO team. P&O is the human resources team. Now, when it comes to training and upskilling, I think our piano team is doing a fantastic job. So, they are uh, running training to upskill top 100 leaders of the company, which is at the executive level. They are also helping run training programs for what we call as the business product owners uh, very focused training a uh, couple of weeks back we had a digital upskilling day in uk where we had a we we call it the odda mission possible training where <laughs> the team was it was it was it was a fantastic training program kudos to the training team so they were engaging with associates uh, irrespective of the level i mean this was one of the most well attended training program they were doing data driven storytelling they were talking about generative ai so i think training and upskilling plays a big role so pno we, we call it uh, people and organisation on which is the the hr practice so pno plays a big role as well for us
0: yeah absolutely i mean it's fascinating to to see the kind of the growth and maturity in those kind of change management and transformation teams, as it relates to data and analytics, you know we've seen a huge increase around you know how organisations are tackling that and hiring people dedicated to that, which is is yeah. great to great to see. Um, conscious of time, Deepak, um, and it'd be remiss of me to let you leave without asking you something about generative AI, given uh, given where we're at on on that topic. Yeah. Um, so I guess in terms of you know you've got a, a goliath organization like mars and mars wrigley in it, its own right i guess how how do you go about building an op model that allows gen ai to work and leans into that kind of value first approach and how do you do that responsibly
2: very good so i think uh it's a Very good question, and it's a loaded question. I'll talk about Gen AI strategy first and the second aspect on leveraging Gen AI in a responsible way. On generative AI strategy, so we have a strategy, which which is what I call it. as a very simple framework that we have developed called do things, do things better, and do better things. Do things will entail uh, automating a lot of manual-led tasks, which includes... Yeah, having a chatbot, having a conversational AI, and uh, having automation, right? Like when I mean, so do things, do things better would entail activities including uh, knowledge answering or like summarization or new content creation, etc. So the do things and do things better, the level of complexity and the opportunity to drive value has significantly increased in this framework. And the final thing is do better things. So how can we innovate uh, leveraging generative AI for a new product? The next thing is how can we drive some hyper-personalization for some of our products to some of our consumers? Right? So depending on, there are different, different segments in which we are focusing on, right? So uh, so that that is the framework that we are using. There are several experiments in the controlled environment the teams are doing uh as we speak so several experiments we all work not only within martin we collaborate with the other segments like pet nutrition uh we work uh, and pet care we work with the global digital technologies team and uh, multiple players are in this group to make these initiatives real Uh, and there is a significant size of price which is sitting out there uh, I think we we call many things transformative, but I, I truly believe that generative AI is going to be transformative when it comes to value creation. And all of these initiatives that we are running, it is prioritized based on value and the complexity of implementation. Now, when it comes to responsible usage of generative AI, which is even more important on how uh, we should be doing, at Mars, at uh, Mars, responsible usage of AI is non-negotiable. It is the first thing that we look at. Are we using it in a responsible way? What does responsible usage of AI mean for us? So we have, we are going through our next iteration of our responsibility principles, but at a high level, we are working with some of the largest technology providers like Microsoft, who are a strong partner to us. We're also working with NGOs like uh uh, responsible AI Institute when it comes to the responsibility, responsible generative AI strategy as we speak. And it includes areas like how, how should we think about taking out biases from the existing models. It thinks about diversity and inclusion. We think about <laughs> uh transparency privacy and ethical collection of data and i think uh talking about explainability of the models mars we, at mars we are really proud of the responsibility strategy that we have our responsible marketing principles says and we, we so we don't collect data from children for example so we don't target children when it comes to uh our campaign so uh Responsible usage of generative is very important for us. We are doing a lot of work uh, in this area, and I'm really excited about the progress that we are making. And And at some time in the near future, we'll be able to share our external policy for many organizations as well. So we, we think that the partnership in the industry with large technology companies and NGOs are going to be cri- very critical when it comes to usage of uh, AI in general.
0: Hmm. Nice, interesting yeah. Um, so before I let you go, then I guess if we if we kind of bring the conversation back to value realization, having a mindset, changing the culture towards that mindset and the whole concept of breaking silos to allow all of that to, to happen, um, just give our audience the kind of you know the biggest learnings that you've taken in your career, Um, from working at, you know, huge organizations like Coca-Cola and and now Mars.
2: So I'll tell you a story which one of my mentors told, which has stuck with me. The story of uh, what you should do to truly transform when it comes to data and analytics. Uh, Kyle, do you know how to a pride of land hunt gazelles? Go on. Yeah, so... See, you know, gazelles can run much faster than lions. Right? They run really fast. So when, uh, uh, so the young uh, gazelles, I mean, the young lions would chase the gazelles, uh, and the older lions would be waiting. Okay. Now, when the gazelles are close by, the older lions would just jump and roar on the top of its voice the gazelles would get so scared they it would be i mean they would be like a deer in front of a headlight right like they are so scared and they can't move and that's how the pride of lion would have them for their lunch but do you know how do some of the gazelles escape right the gazelles who escape they see the lion roaring on the top of their voice but they don't stop running they continue to run and they can simply jump through them because they are much faster. They are much agile. So my mentor once told me this story that a hey, data scientist practitioners are like these young cells. They are fast. They are agile, but and the old lions represent the orthodoxy in the company. <laughs> uh, you don't want people don't want to change and they can eat them for life so the biggest thing as a data and analytics practitioner is to challenge the status quo and to challenge status quo you need the courage so if you are a data scientist you are a young excel have the courage challenge the status quo you will be able to transform your organization so that would be my closing message i think it is definitely for me it was definitely not technical skill set I've seen people who are really successful at Coke, at Mars, they were able to challenge the status quo. And the biggest thing in challenging the status quo is to have the courage to do it.
0: What a fantastic way to end yeah so the message there is uh be a gazelle and and not a lion right so <laughs> um, well Deepak look thank you so much for giving up your time to come on the show um really appreciate it and uh yeah look forward to seeing how uh the journey at Mars Wrigley unfolds with the Wonder Man team
2: Thank you very much Kyle really appreciate this and I uh, I'll give you my closing thoughts as we finish this session so uh, I grew up in India right like so mother teresa is one of and her principles had a significant influence in the way I how I shaped as a leader so she once told not all of us can do th- great things but all of us can do small things with great love And that is my call to action to all of you listening to this podcast. Do your small things with a lot of great love and do it really well and be really good at it. And you will be able to change the world. Thank you very much.
0: Fantastic. Perfect, Deepak. Appreciate your time. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, Please follow our group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.